Hello and welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Uh, I am not Ian. It's a different voice in your ears as before. Uh, we're here to talk about NWSL with our NWSL experts, Ariana Casconi and Ariel Drawer. Uh, welcome back, folks. How are things? Things are great. Same old. Excited to talk NWSL with you both um, after a quarter of the season. Seems like we'll have a lot to chew on today. Yeah, agreed. I'm doing great. It's sunny now here in California. Um, the rain has passed. I'm excited to catch up and I want to hear your hot takes because I haven't been watching as much as I had hoped. We, we have finally gotten out of winter in Canada. So it has been like, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit, but it has been 20 Celsius all week and it is beautiful and I cannot complain. Um, and some of us are missing important events tonight to be here. We are, there's dog shows on, there's playoff <laughs> basketball. We're here to talk about NWSL and to bless your ears with analytical hot takes. So, yeah, shout out to Winston the Frenchie. I hope he Winston wins tonight, Frenchie. but Winston the Frenchie. Uh, but I'm happy to talk about soccer with you guys instead. Incredible. So we're going to do this pod a little bit differently than how we did the last NWSL pod. I think going into the season, it was good to talk about all the teams. So everybody, everybody got a mention, a, a listen, whatever. But through six games, I think some teams maybe deserve more talking points than others. Um, and I think there's some really interesting analytical trends in terms of six games is not a lot of games in soccer. When we're talking about XG models, normally we're talking numerous seasons. When we're talking about G+, G+, is trained over almost a decade worth of data. Um, and so it's important to think about kind of what trends will maintain and what trends will kind of go away throughout the whole season as we get more sample. So I tasked the group with a little bit of a homework assignment for to give us at least one thing that we think is just small sample size and will not stick around. And one thing that we think the signal is real through six games. I'm feeling very optimistic today. So I think we should start with the things that are real. Um, so ADC, I'm going to pop it over to you. What is your small sample size thing that you think is real in NWSL so far through the first six games? Okay. Out. So I, I don't know if this is a cop out because it's related to Sophia Smith. Um, and we know how great she can be. So she's currently leading all players and goals added um, for 96. And I see Ariel reacting to this. I think our shared brain cell um, strikes again. <laughs> um, but so, you know, she's she's at 0.61 goals added per 96. And, and last season she was lower than that um still the best of everyone and then also better than the record that she set herself the year before um so you know i don't think it will stay that high but i do think she will end up being atop that table come this end of the season 0.61 is like to put in context for the more seasoned asa listeners and and table viewers on the site 0.61 is like twice as good as any season ever, I think. Like, I think the best season we've ever had is like 0.35 or 0.36. So this is like crazy, crazy performance so far. Yeah. Oh, man, you took mine. I basically wrote the same thing, but I had a question about whether she beats her record or not. Uh, and that's sort of where I, I like... I'm unsure. I think it really depends on like how Thorin's play after World Cup. Um, but I mean, if they continue playing the way they are now, she's. I think she'll easily surpass the, um, the 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 record. Like even if she has a couple bad games, it's still going to be you know higher than than it has in the past. So here here's my question. I guess through through six games and through the Challenge Cup, is there anything that either of you are seeing that is different? to say like, oh, this increase is real, or is it just like a real heater of a six game stretch? Because like so I so I've seen I've seen a few of the Thorns games and I think one of the things that I'm seeing is she has been much more relentless about dribbling people to create. Not again, she's scoring lots of goals. I, I think she's got five goals already. But it's more seen on the assist side that I've seen. Like, I think she's already surpassed her assist total from last year through six games. And assists are a fickle stat that uh, we see you're very much at the mercy of your teammates finishing things. Um, 
But that's the thing kind of that I've seen so far in terms of her dribbling to create chances for other people is just like G plus fodder. Like they love the model loves it. Yeah, that's a good point. I when I was thinking about this, I was quickly pulling up her um, numbers and I'm seeing four goals and five assists in the regular season. So that's the six games. Um, you know, what you just said sort of makes me think about the Thorns most recent outing against North Carolina, where she was involved in that, you know, the, the Thorns had that 30 second buildup, but at the end of it, it was all that one touch passing. And she did just like a cheeky back heel into, I think Megan Klingenberg who ended up having the assist and, I think things like that are really standing out to me this season. Um, it's all, For me, it's kind of like a confidence thing, but I don't know if I can really call it that because she was the best of the best last year. And so like she was already confident. Um, so it's almost like surpassing what she did last year. Yeah, I, I actually just pulled up her assist and extension assist numbers while we're sitting here. Last year in 1500, 1600-ish regular season minutes, she had 2.57 expected assists. Um, this season so far, she's had 2.23 expected assists. Um, so she's almost in uh, 481 minutes, uh, which is which is pretty wild. I think it also just speaks to the way the Thorns are gelling. Like, it feels like, mm-hmm. I, I think we knew this coming into the season. They really didn't have much of a uh, turnover in the offseason. And then their starting lineup is almost entirely the same um, for most games. So, so they know their tendencies. They have, haven't really needed to have the... Um, um, like the gel period that some of these other teams have had. Um, so I don't know if she's going to continue. I mean, five assists on 2.23 expected assists is, is like pretty wild. I don't know if she's going to continue the assist train, but I mean, the Thorns seem pretty unstoppable. Yeah, like for a peek behind the curtain for for the listeners, like one of the things we said on our homework assignment was you can't say, oh, the Thorns are going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> because I think that's something we all thought going in and, and has been very clear that that's there is real signal there. I think it's it's interesting, Ariana, that you mentioned the confidence piece because she was so good last year. Why would you need the boost in confidence? And I think we we kind of talk about this a lot with players as they enter their peak and they get a little bit older, where it's the relentlessness to like not take your foot off the gas. And I think you're seeing that with Sophia Smith, but also with like Trinity Rodman as well, where you are legitimately the best 1v1 attackers in the world, not just the league, not just like your U23 age group. Like in the world, you are the best 1v1 dribblers. Do not let fullbacks off the hook by doing other things than like just killing them. And so that I think has been really, that like ruthlessness is is a thing. I think if we look at kind of the older US women's national teams, like, I look at Rapino and I'm like, that that's her. Like she is going to receive the ball wide and she's going to diagonal dribble at your fullback and kill you over and over and over. And if she knows she's killing you, she's going to keep doing it. She's just going to demand the ball and keep going. And that I think is not a very analytical argument, but I do think is a real thing for young players as they grow, especially when they're as talented as Smith. Yeah. And I think thinking of the young players, I mean, we're seeing this, all the rise of the young players in the NWSL this season. And what you're describing there makes me think of Alyssa Thompson. I mean, all three of her goals, she's just basically making NWSL defenses look really silly, right? Like against Portland, she beats Kelly Hubley twice um, in her, her goal over the weekend. She, it was like a, a no look goal, right? She has no angle and is not looking and then just like bangs it into the goal. So, um, and she's 18. So. So this is actually, that's a decent segue into one of my things that I think will persist. Um, so I, I've been watching and again, it's, I, I will admit that I'm not, I'm not the super fan who watches every single team, every single game. I'll, I'll check in with the good teams, but eventually I'm going to be like, Orlando, I'm sorry. It's the season is over for you for my watching. So, and I've been noticing there's been a lot more players that I'm, I go to check their data or I go look at and I'm just not as familiar with. So I looked into it. So far through six games, on average, teams are using about one and a half players more than they have in previous seasons um, through six matches. So there's no limits cap on that. So like there's going to be some players who played like eight minutes. Um, but on average, about one and a half players more. And so this is something I think heading into the World Cup, like 
I expect that the amount of players being used is going to really, really balloon once the tournament starts. Like we're already seeing, I think the average is something like 22 players or 23 players used already. Um, and a lot of those are young players. We already saw with players getting signed to uh, to longer contracts after being drafted. We saw fewer first-round picks and, and second-round picks being released straight up from camp this year. Um, and so that's something I think moving forward, we're going to see even more players, even bigger squads, even more young players getting time. That's that's super interesting. I haven't thought about that. I actually have a question for you. What's the what's the like the distribution of of these teams? Is it just like uh, Kansas is playing like thirty players, or is is no, it actually like an evenly distributed? It's it's actually quite even. Like the fewest, like the lowest is like Dash and Wave have played twenty, and the highest mm-hmm. is Gotham have played twenty six. Wow. Um, and then in cool. and then in previous years, it's like. 24 down to 18 type deal are you including challenge cup there or is it just no no challenge cup just six league games yeah wow so that's pretty pretty crazy impressive i'm really intrigued by that from an expansion standpoint because um there's gonna be two teams expanding or there's gonna be two new teams next year um i think there's a lot of questions about how teams are going to how those teams are going to be built but in the past, when we've done these expansion drafts and they've unprotected, there's been unprotected players. It'd be players that have like 20 minutes, and so you have no clue if they're good or not. And as someone who thinks like building an expansion team with analytics would be the most intriguing, like you can't really do that. Um, but if you're playing young kids, that's a cool way to build a team. So yeah, I'm intrigued. It, I, yeah, go, go ahead. No, it, it is, and it's it's very interesting to kind of. I didn't look at. I didn't look at the minutes distribution to see if like um, to see if like they're playing more or if it's like just more teams giving like the end of game sub appearances to their new like U18 players that they signed, um, which is probably some of it. Um, but that so that's one thing. The other is that there's a lot more goalkeepers being used this year. Like there have been more goalkeepers to play this year than the entirety of last season already. Um, and uh, that's basically just Gotham and, and Orlando. Um, so that that's kind of a big contributor as well. Yeah, I yeah, had a I question. This also, oh, go ahead, but I was going to say, uh, in terms of this, like it, more more players playing, is that because, so in the case of field players, I can maybe buy the argument that like the, the pool is, or the pool of talent is deeper and so they want to get more people on the field. But when we think about goalkeepers, the reason potentially that these goalkeepers are or seeing time in favor of others, which is like maybe what Ariel was going to say about Kansas City is A.D. French is getting benched because she came out the gates looking really bad. And so then, you know, Cassie Miller is playing in favor of her. So do you think that the reason that we're seeing more players is different if we think field players versus goalkeepers? Yeah, that's a good question. I think. Again, like goalkeeper is generally not a position that coaches are like thinking about rotating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the goalkeeper stuff this year is mostly out of the fact that we've had a lot of senior goalkeepers age out of the league over the past two years, and teams are looking at solutions to play. Um, like we talked about Aaron McLeod in the season preview pod about like she played so many minutes last year, and now it's you are finding solutions and you have a bunch of people who haven't played that much. So you don't really know. Gotham is the same thing where like Betos like is just not at that level. So you have to look at Abby Smith and you have to look at Mandy hot. Um, and ideally you would have looked at Hensley handcuff, but maybe not. Um, so it's, I think the goalkeeper thing is kind of a separate thing on the field players. My working thesis is that coaches know that a lot of their players are going to be gone in the summer and it is better to find out what a player is now in like a safe, secure environment where like, yes, I can bring her, I can bring this player on with eight starters and it's like, I can see what's going on versus, hey, your first 90 is with like one starter because eight players are at the World Cup and two players are injured and you've never played before and drown or swim. So I think there's there's a lot of really interesting dynamics, I think, contributing to that. Uh, I have a couple thoughts on this, and I feel like we could talk about it all day because um, this is something that I think about all the time. I, I think on the keeper note, something that I'm really intrigued by this keeper rotation thing. Um, I, I think like 
the you know the heavily the heavily thought belief is that you keep one you have your one starter key, starting keeper they play all season like even if they're like you always have one keeper I wonder if that's actually best for the team like obviously this is like what this is what tradition says but do we have like proof that playing one keeper for every game in a season or having one consistent starter is actually better I I don't know um so I'm sort of intrigued to see what happens in a place like Pride, where it seems like they're actually in Gotham also, where they're just like switching out keepers. It seems sort of at a whim, though the coaches said that they're at least at Gotham, there's like um, a reason for why they're playing certain keepers in certain games. Um, so that's really intriguing to me. Um, and maybe we'll have more of an answer at the end of the season um, if that like previous held belief is true. And then I think on the player rotation, I, I think like we'd be – ignorant to not mention the injury bug that's just been like I mean Kansas is obviously the Kansas and Chicago are the obvious targets here but a lot of teams have had like fairly significant injury issues so I think that's probably another reason why we're seeing um seeing player rotation whether that's because players who would usually start are just broken or if um or because they're trying to load management um so those are sort of some interesting ideas too yeah, so Kansas City, just specifically for their example, have used 22, which is like about the median. Um, but it's only one more player than last year, which is pretty interesting. I think one of the, the interesting things that we're maybe seeing also is teams like the Courage and teams like Pride who are – the win-now pressure is maybe not super high this year, so they can – this year is as much about fact finding as it is about winning soccer games. So they can kind of look and say, yeah, we're going to carry a roster of 25 and nobody's really going to play 90 plus percent of the minutes, but a lot of people are going to play two thirds of the minutes and you can kind of get a, a much better sense of what you actually have in, in some of the young players who, who maybe have not played as much in past years. I hope that this means if teams end up missing the playoffs early that they will play their young players <laughs> and we won't have a repeat of last year Gotham misses the playoffs and then plays all the veterans right um maybe and this is a good omen and trades for a player that they dump nine games into the next season yeah good uh good good question all right who who wants to bring us a new trend that they think will persist throughout the season I uh Mine was taken. Okay, I have another one. If we would like to. Oh wow! Okay, pool. you can't. You you did a teacher's pet. You well, you were the teacher also. I was the like, teacher and the teacher's pet. Okay, I came up with one idea for each. So. Shoot. Okay, so I want to talk about the wave because I don't really know what's going on here. I and do too. Okay, I'm glad. Normally, we don't want to talk about teams who have not been good, but the wave were good last year and aren't legitimately are not good this year. And I can't really put why. So the things that I want to talk, the things that I kind of noted that I do think are likely to continue because they weren't that different last year. And they are things that we flagged as red flags before the season. The wave are bottom of basically every single ball progression metric or box entries metric, like carries, progressive passes, passes into the box, passes into the non-cross passes into the box, non-cross passes into the final third. Um. And like Alex Morgan is doing nothing, which are like the two things that we talked about. So to me, I, I think Ohm had a really good point on Twitter the other day about how when you build a lot of your team game model around like kind of an unusual player in Korniak who is like so good to attack long balls and to help you collect seconds and she has terrific gravity to pull people to you so other people can collect second balls it kind of hurts you when that player is out and misses games. And I don't know if he's going to go to the World Cup. I would expect not. But I still think that's a pretty tough place to build from. And so I'm curious what both of you think kind of for them moving forward. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this earlier today because I think Korniak is obviously the big absence that we're thinking about uh she's 6-1 right so she, they are missing an aerial presence and Casey Stoney said that after their most recent game especially defending on corners the way that they play in transition but Emily Van Eggman has also been out and she is 
sizable when it comes to like just sheer size, right? I think she's 5'10". So I think it's kind of a combination of both of those players. And I can't remember if I said it in our preview, but Ben Eggman sort of flew under the radar last year for the wave, but I think that she was pretty instrumental to their success. I think she played every minute for them. So if we're thinking about their success, it's kind of Emily Van Eggman's play had to have been, you know, a factor there. Um, so I really want to know if Casey Stoney and the wave are going to change some of their midfield tactics uh, come, you know, this weekend, given that I don't think Van Eggman or Korniak will be available because if not, are they just going to lose three straight games for the first time in their short history? I don't know. So what you're saying is that they need to find another tall midfielder. Yes, you should slot it, in too. Ah, uh, yes, me, no <laughs> tall midfielder. I'm here. Casey Stoney, sign me up. Um, <laughs> that's really interesting. Um, I will say, uh, I just want to shout out Jason Anderson here, who alerted me to the uh, San Diego. Uh, plague I don't know what to call it it's an an issue their last three of their four games have been below 0.5 xg uh, per game so I mean obviously if they're not progressing the ball they're also oh wow yeah which is that's pretty wild especially when you have players like Alex Morgan and honestly like she she, I felt like she's kind of been a a bit of a shell of like what we've expected for her and I will say like last year when she played the way that felt like she started off really strong like I think didn't she score like three goals in like the first or second game they scored the, with the dismantling of Gotham um that was like the beginning <laughs> of the end before it started um so this is a ramble but I do think there's something to it I will say Jaden Shaw looks great um, yeah, I'm that definitely... is like the one one uh <laughs> saving grace they have but also like defensively they seem kind of disjointed like I I'm not a tactics person so this is mostly just on the eye test and me not knowing how to explain what I'm seeing but I watched about 20 minutes of the spirit wave game um this weekend and then also watched the highlights back after and they just seemed like really jumbled and panicked um and and that was not the only game that that's been true uh which is pretty pretty interesting because I feel like last year defensively was where they really shined um there's, yeah. there's a lot going on there. Yeah, last year the Wave were like scored very highly in a lot of the pressing metrics and always looked very not not in a like when we talk about pressing, it's a lot of like, are you pressing to possess or are you pre- pressing to create chances or are you pressing to defend that way? And the Wave were like a press to possess and press to defend team not like a like a red bully team or an energy drink team who are trying to use it to create chances and this year like the press is a disaster every game and part of that is like this is one of the trade-offs of playing like really young dynamic attackers is like they've been the best player on all of their youth teams they are usually the player with a free role and doesn't have to defend and coming to adult soccer is really hard defensively to transition like the angles really matter the pitches are bigger, the players are better, the timing is harder. And so I think that's like my my Jane Shaw stock is through the roof. But I think that's one thing I'm looking at. And I'm like, okay, she still needs quite a bit of work defensively. And like, like you said, Alex Morgan has been like bad. Like she's not pushing the back lines. They don't really have room to play underneath. And defensively, there's not that much there. So I think like I put this in my, I think it will persist because I don't think it's going to get any better. Like, I don't think Alex Morgan's going to come back from the World Cup refreshed. Um, and I think there's a little bit of a worry, not so much a worry, but like if Shaw becomes the team's whole attacking focus, like that's a lot. Like, I think she's a, a very, very good prospect, but I don't think she's at Smith Rodman level yet. And that's, which is like, that is no slight on you as a player. But I do think there is like a very big difference in the the usage that you can handle and still have good output to do that. So I'm pretty, pretty curious to see. I agree with you on the defensive side. Kaylin Sheridan has not been as good as she normally is this year, but I'm just going to pretend that I don't see it. Um. So yeah, I will see, I guess, but I kind of lean, I think that they might, it might be a down year for them. Yeah, I... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ariel. I'll say it. I'll see it for you with my own eyes in Australia. Don't worry. And I'll, I'll report <laughs> back. 
yeah. So I guess my uh, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, I wonder. Like, I think there are some teams that can handle having a down season, um, and they're willing to sort of. If we're okay, let's let's backtrack here. I'm getting ahead of myself. Assuming that this trend continues, or it might get worse, because you know uh, the World Cup is going to probably hurt them pretty significantly. I also say like their second keeper is completely un unproven. So like when Keelan Sheridan leaves, there's like this question there too. Um, do we think San Diego is a team that's going to worry about having a string of bad results? And are they going to like sort of decide to change focus and get rid of Casey Stoney? Do you think that could happen? I would be very surprised. I do. I don't, I think there's a chance that they like hit the middle of the season. They're, maybe too far adrift and they're like okay we'll lean in we'll play younger maybe we'll trade some of our like veterans here towards the end of their contract i don't know if they've moved their pick for this year um which would impact things heavily right like i think there's i think they're because tank not tanking but tanking is a reasonably valid strategy in nwsl i think there are a few teams who are going to hit the world cup this summer and say we're too far adrift Let's play the kids. Let's keep people fit and see what our pick gets us. I don't know if San Diego are one of those teams. We don't know after one season they what went for it in the first year. But I'm I would be very surprised if they let Stony walk, even though I have not been super happy with what things have looked like so far. Kieran, I think you're overestimating individual front offices and that they will just decide that a season is a wash and play their kids. Like I don't remember seeing that in a long time like just like halfway through the season just being like never mind no uh, you're, and you're, you're not wrong it would Goth be nice Gotham lost, Gotham lost 14 games in a row and we're like we're still trying to win so like and again <laughs> we we bully Gotham on this podcast but I, I I agree with you that yes maybe not but I think I don't know I would hope that like especially with a World Cup somewhere where like if you're too far adrift and all of a sudden you're now missing your six best players I don't know, maybe you look and say everybody else is losing seven good players. We'll make it work. I don't know. I will say, like, I asked this question, but I want to say that I hope they don't get rid of her if the, the results don't start, don't start coming. I think too often NWSL teams are, like, really happy to just, like, put the buzzer down and just, like, can coaches really fast. Um, and I just hope that doesn't happen. Can we talk about a coach who maybe the organization should think about moving on from I, I this is in neither of my small sample size theaters and I hope this isn't in either of yours uh your won't continues but I think Louisville need to maybe start thinking about things with uh Bjorka Grin is that his last name mm -hmm. um I think we were all very high on Louisville I think the talent is real I think they're winless through six league games I just, like, at some point, it's easier to change the coach than it is to overhaul the roster. And I would probably consider maybe looking at a new person. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think it's time. What roster is there to overhaul? Sorry. Sorry, Aaron. I was like, what roster is there to overhaul? It's a good roster. Like, yeah. I, I don't think they're, they're uh, you know, Portland Thorns, but they, they're definitely, like, uh, you know, I feel like they're a solidly mid-table roster if, if, if played right. Sorry, I didn't mean to pick off Ariana. I feel very oh, no. passionate. You're good. You're good. I agree with you. And yeah, it's time. It's just time to get rid of Kim, Big Kim. Um, their game plan since Savannah DeMello has joined the league has been to just have her be the engine and lead the team in all major categories. And then we saw in their most recent game, right, she was out because she was suspended with red card. And I think after the game, the head coach was like, this was our worst performance ever. <laughs> it was certainly our worst half of the season. And I mean, I, I caught the game afterwards, so I was able to like skip past the especially uh, terrible parts. But it was, I mean, racing looked disoriented. They looked discombobulated. I saw um, Becky Morgan, who covers racing, wrote that. Uh, I couldn't agree more. They just did not. I think that's a huge red flag. Like if your entire if any semblance of your identity hinges on one player being there, then you got to do something about that, especially when, you know, there are other players on that roster who are and can be good, like Jalen Howell, right? We've spoken about her on this pod before. Um, 
So. Yeah. And I like, they've come close to winning games um, already this season. They, they dropped points in the last couple minutes of, of two of their, their games, one against rain. And I can't remember who was, who was playing in the other game, but um, they looked really, really good. So there's just like this vibe. I'm not, I'm trying not to be a vibes person. I'm trying to be a little bit more objective, but there's just a vibe around the team. It's like, they're just too good for what's happening. Um, and as someone who really, I think young teams are super cool and they are a very young team. So I, I just want to see them like live up to their potential. Yeah. I, I have like a, a theory that if you have a coach who like coaches a terrible team and then you rebuild into having a much better roster that like 99 times out of a hundred, you should fire the person who was coaching the terrible team. Just be, even if they're a decent coach, like it's so hard to get out of that rut mentally as a team where like even you as a player even if the ideas were good and you just didn't have that much talent the players are going to go home and are going to talk in their group chats and be like man why did we play 442 today and that's just gonna happen and if you don't have buy-in from the squad into the manager like we we've seen we've talked a lot about coach impact this week and i don't even want to get started there but i do think buy-in really matters to whatever you choose to do and I think if you've had a coach like coaching a team who's stunned, like it's very hard to move past that. Let's move on to small sample size things that will not persist, that we think are just things we've seen in six games. They will probably dissipate as the season continues. Ariel, we'll start with you. What what are you seeing? Um, I don't think Austin's defense is going to continue to be okay to great. That's my... my and won't continue. So they right now have six goals allowed on seven and a half-ish uh, goals, uh, expected goals um, against, which is uh, one of the best in the league right now. They Like they've, um, like they've allowed like the fewest, some of the fewest goals in the league. Um, they've also uh, allowed the fewest number of shots this season, 61, which is wild. Um, as an aside, they also have the third highest number of shots taken which was just like, I didn't expect that. Um, so they have like some kind of funky numbers. I This is like my eyes not matching up with the numbers. Like when I watch Gotham, their defense looks slow and um, easily beatable. Um, and I think they've had good keeper luck so far, but it seems like the coach is asking keepers to play in a very specific way that makes me feel like they are going to concede, start conceding some some real, real bad ones. Um, at first, I thought this was just like, first, like, okay, so Abby Smith was like playing against Kansas City, right? And she went on a couple like really long walks um, during the game that we were talking about. And I was like, this is, you know, this, what is going on? And I thought it was a choice thing, but then it happened in the Challenge Cup game. And then it was a different keeper. And then they played their third keeper the next league game. And they also did that. So I think between like, so now I think they're just being asked to do, they're asking, they're asked to be really super aggressive. And I think like the super aggressive goalkeeping combined with kind of like a slower-ish defense um, is not going to continue. I love, I love that thought. Go ahead, Kieran. Yeah. I, I think that that is like a real, like, I think that is a real, your eyes are like you, you said before, I'm not a tactics person. I can't describe what I see, but that's like, a, that's it tactically, right? Like if you have a slow back line, but you want to defend higher, you have to ask your keeper to be Frodo and Sam going on an adventure. Um, To me, is that the right tactical choice? Is that going to continue to work out? I don't know. Um, I'll talk about Abby Smith a little bit later, so I won't kind of give away the goose there, but I, yeah, I think there are, I mean, we've seen the Gotham force field before, like it is a real, well, it's not a real thing, but it's a thing that has happened. Yeah. I, I agree with you that I think the quality of performance is maybe not matching up with the data. I will say, I'll be super curious if it does continue, if there is something that we aren't seeing, because I think sometimes I think I personally can be a little bit quick to be like, ah, no, they're like, it's just noise. But I think it is at least worth doing the mental exercises of, okay, well, why would it be wrong? Um, and I always hope that we're going to find one that it's like, oh, no, this is real. 
Uh, I don't think it's this one, but maybe it will be. Yeah, for Gotham, I mean, I wasn't, I, I didn't have this on my list, but I just, I'm not sure that they are like top of the table team. And I guess sort of what you just said is getting at some of the things that I couldn't really formulate. Um, I'm also thinking on the other end of the pitch with like their attack, they're really, really focusing on having just Lynn Williams do it all. And Lynn Williams is fantastic, right? There's no question about that, but Will she sustain this rate of, I think, six goals in eight games or some, I think it is six goals in eight games, if you include Challenge Cup, um, throughout the season, you know, also she'll be gone for the World Cup, presumably. So there's that piece. But also, I watched Lynn Williams in person when they played North Carolina at North Carolina during the Challenge Cup, and she's pretty much the reason that Gotham won that game. Like, it was... I almost couldn't believe my eyes. Like she was crucial to the goal. And then she's in Gotham's defensive third, making big plays. And that's just who she is as a player. I mean, I think she's the only forward that is in the top 10 in tackles like or the only non-defensive player in the league. Um, and as I've been watching Gotham, I'm noticing that oftentimes Lynn will have to go back into the middle third to win the ball. And then she plays it off into Taylor Smith or whoever the other attacker is. And then she's stuck behind the ball and the transition. It, when Gotham is in transition, she's not really involved anymore after she wins the ball because she's so far behind the play. And so for me, I think that's not sustainable. I think there's, if, if she is, scoring this many goals and is going to be the focal point of their attack, she cannot be as instrumental as she has been in winning the ball back for this team. I think somebody else needs to step up. I don't know who it is through six games, but. Yeah. I, I want to jump on that because I was looking at some Lynn Williams stuff off the back of, there's been a lot of like disrespect talk. And I think Lynn Williams <laughs> is like a very much appreciated player by Tactico's number of people and like eyeball people in all facets. Um, but I was looking at her numbers and like, there are a few, if not red flags, like blood orange, maybe um, her XG is like the lowest of her career. Her XA is the lowest of her career. Progressive receptions, the lowest of her career. And I don't explicitly think these are her things. I think these are Gotham things. Like, I think mm -hmm. this is Gotham do not have stable ball progression to get her the ball in good spots. So she has to drop much deeper and dribble, or she has to much, drop much deeper and link play. And I think Lynn Williams is excellent, but I think there is like a pretty hard ceiling to asking her to do that. And so far, like she's four goals from like two and a bit actually two and a half actually something like that like i don't i don't think she's a career actually beater i would be pretty curious to see how those things maintain and and i'll say like it's entirely possible that maybe gotham makes some summer additions and and those numbers perk up but i would expect like if she's having to work this hard for this level of production they might actually go the other way as the season continues, which would be a little bit worrisome for me. Uh, I will say, like, most of her experience or, like, you know, the prime of, of her career so far has been playing for a super team where she did not have to do all the ball progression and she was able to um, sort of do her thing. Um, so I do think, like, a lot of those underlying numbers being lower is just a, a team style thing. It's just a very different team now. Um, I will say, like, they did seem better at progressing just from my eyes this weekend when they played Chicago like they added Jenna Nicewanger into the midfield um, honestly I'm not gonna lie I couldn't tell who was who in the midfield in the beginning because they all were blonde and had ponytails and the angle was terrible but whatever they were doing and whoever was like doing a lot of the ball progression looked great so I think like um you know it it seems like there's been a lot of rotation or maybe not rotation but I still think they're still trying to figure out like a midfield that you know maximizes progression um and also, Chicago was really bad, so maybe it could have just been that. But they did look better this weekend, is, is what I was trying to say. And and JCA is, like, a decent coach. Like, he, he has a history of, like, setting his teams up coherently. And, and I think that's, like, maybe that's a thing where they just looked at the roster at the beginning of the season and they're like, sorry, you're going to put the team in your backpack. Um, but you would hope that, again, these coaches are being a little bit prescient with the World Cup coming up.
Yeah, you gotta say, and you know, in retrospect, I feel like when they made the Lynn Williams trade uh, for the the draft pick, everyone sort of was like, that is very stupid. Um, and you know, in some ways, it it's still like a, a really questionable trade, but it seems like Gotham has isn't always might be in win now mode, and um, so maybe in retrospect, it was actually a really good choice for them because I think without Lynn Williams, we'd be talking about something really, really different. Yeah, and and I mean. I don't know, like, I don't know if we should give Gotham the benefit of the doubt and say they looked at Michelle Cooper's draft tape and they were like, we don't like her at two because so far she has not been an effective attacker. She's like, every time Casey play, I get like 15 DMs from Ohm being like, watch this transition decision she just made. And it's like, she has a 2v1 and shoots from 40 yards. So it's it's one of those things that I think like, Williams is really good. I think the age profile, I definitely was like, I don't like this for you because your team is not close to winning, but there is value to being competitive and win now and trying to stay that way organizationally. Um, So we'll see. Especially for a place like Gotham where, I mean, Ariana and I are from the area, so we're acutely familiar to uh, Red Bull being chronically empty. Uh, So I do think like there are teams that are need to be in win now because it's, actually like a financial issue like if you can't you know sell tickets then you can't have a club in the first place so maybe there is I think like sometimes I get too bothered by teams that are in win now mode when I don't think that's like always a good idea but I think I often forget about the economic costs of trying to build for the future um so maybe I should give Gotham some slack I guess that's the and and I think even organizationally like if you are a GM it's easy to sell like three or four year plans. Like, yeah, we're going to tank for two years. We're going to bring all these top players. But like at some point you reach a point where the ownership are like, Hey man, or, or, or Hey person, like we're, we're putting, we're putting a lot of money into this team. Like, can you win some soccer games at some point here? So I, I, I I'm not going to fault anyone for trying to win. I don't think maybe sometimes. Uh, Ariana, what's your, what is your small sample? that you think will not persist for the 20 uh, Yeah. Season. So mine is about Houston. So I last season, I think I even said this in our preview pod that Deanna Ordonez and Ebony Salmon had some of the biggest XG over performance of all players. So uh, Ordonez was second and then Salmon was fourth. So it was uh, plus 3.7 for Ordonez and then plus 3.6 for Salmon. And then this year, they're leading the league in XG underperformance so far. So, of course, way smaller sample size. But I expected some kind of regression to the mean, but I didn't expect them to go so far south. So I guess I'm not really convinced of what direction this will take. And I want to hear from both of you. What what do you think about this? Knowing that the Dash have scored the fewest goals of all teams, right? Only three. Um Sanchez has scored, Maria Sanchez has scored two goals for them, and Deanna Ordonia is the other one. Um, and Ordonia's looked not so great in the most recent outing. I mean, the entire dash attack really didn't look great, but what do y'all think? Yeah, I, I I was I'm actually quite happy this came up because I wanted to talk about the lady era. Um I, yeah, I I feel like they should be better than they are. Which is kind I of think weird. So too. Like I think Ordonez and Salmon as like a pair, a de facto pair, makes a lot of sense. Um, the last game, I was, I, I've really enjoyed that it's like kind of a three that they press out of a diamond, and like I'm a big fan of strike partnerships. I think they're really really fun, and I think they're like there are a few things more exciting in soccer than when you have two players that are working well together and they're like clicking as strikers. It's it's a ton of fun, but. To me, the the thing that I'm most concerned by is like they just have nobody to move the ball forward ever. It's like passable to Maria Sanchez wide, dribble the length of the pitch, please. Or it's like long balls. Like there's just no like Schmidt is just not that person anymore. They don't really have much passing at the back. Like, and normally when you play a back three in possession, like your wide center back should be giving you so much juice in possession in possession and like Chappie is really not it anymore. That's my biggest concern is the ball progression stuff. And I think, uh, like, Lady was at Rain before, right? And I think I was hoping 
for him to bring a little bit more of the stable ball progression we see from Rain. And that has not been a thing. And maybe that's just a talent issue that gets addressed with time. But so far, I've been pretty disappointed. Yeah. So I'm going to preface here that the only Houston game I've watched this season was one against Rain, which might be kind of bleak, actually. In retrospect, I just pulled up like FB Ref really quickly because they have progression numbers. Um, and they it sort of like hits the nail on the head for what you said, Kieran. Even though I know we have like some feelings about the way FB Ref calculates progressive stats, um, they rank second to lowest um, in progressive passes this season, um, 184. Um, but they're like mid-table progressive carries, which is probably like most of Sanchez. So that's like, so you hit it on the head, I guess is, is sort of what I'm trying to say. Um, but I will also say like, during the offseason, they brought in like 40, they had like a 40 person preseason, right? They made some trades, they brought in a ton of college players. I don't really remember like the proportion of, of who they signed versus released versus, you know, like how they ended up building the roster, but they, they like had the opportunity to, you know, find new players that could provide this in the pre- in preseason. And I guess they didn't. So I don't know, maybe Houston strikes me as a team that would have cap space still. So maybe they're bringing someone in. Yeah, I, I don't know. Who, I don't know who would be like, I can't imagine they're pushed against the cap, just like vaguely looking at their roster. But it's pretty, it's pretty alarming. Like, they're not like, they don't have a single player above five progressive passes. And like, that's with the new FB ref definition where like, in a back three, like the outside center back can pass the ball 10 yards to the wing back and that's a progressive pass. And nobody's above five. That's really I, bad. Yeah, like just, I just sorry don't. Sorry to the obvious. It's really bad. Like the, even like in the players who are in the midfield three, like it's it's Vigiano's at four and a half, and then there's nobody else in midfield. Like it's that's uh, interesting. So I didn't, I wasn't, I I wasn't aware of those numbers. I was thinking about this today, just like thinking about the dash. I guess sounds kind of weird. Um, but I know that Deanna Ordonez touched the ball like twenty times or something like that in their most recent game, and she didn't record a single shot on target. And I was originally framing that as like, oh, that's a really poor performance by Ordonez. And now I'm like, well, did she just never get the ball? Because Houston cannot progress up the field, right? Like she's a traditional number nine. She was probably, I don't know what she was doing, defending a lot or hanging around waiting for (laughs) balls to be pinged in. Um, Yeah, this is really interesting. And, And it's, you know, the way that, we're talking about Houston playing is really different from how North Carolina played last year when Ordonez was like lighting it up. So it's kind of rough. I will say just like from my really anecdotal, potentially my brain fooling me, I, you know, I pull a pass networks after every game. I remember, I I remember like in the past few games seeing that her points are like super, super small. So Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that it's a lot of just waiting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and her and and neither neither Ordonez or Salmon are like really big like drop and knit things together nines. Like they are much more get into the box and get shots nines or get mm-hmm. outside the box and take shots nines, which is a little bit less desirable. But I, I think when you're talking about pairs that work together, I think they're very similar, which works if you can do all the things to get to them. But I think if the other parts aren't coherent and they're just, okay, we're going to be parked up front. And like, when you get it here, we're ready. I think you end up waiting a lot. So yeah, we'll see. Trade for a midfielder, maybe? Sign a midfielder? We'll see. Um, okay, I've got an interesting one, an Abby Smith tangential one. Um, and I have a specific player one. The goalkeeper one, I think there's not that much to talk about, so we can we can act it out super quickly. But the goalkeeper noise this year is crazy. Um, actually, goalkeeper performance is traditionally exceptionally noisy, but this is like on a different level of noisy. Um, I was looking the bottom five goalkeepers, all five of them, every single one are historical XG meters, like with real sample behind them, which is just like that doesn't happen. Um, and of the five, the top five xg beaters so far three of them are historical actually like behind their xg or are neutral um so this is something i think will not persist i think the the hierarchy that we expect from the goalkeepers might um settle out to a little bit more what we expect um particularly somebody that's like really concerned me is katie lund who like has been letting in some 
honkers. Like she let in a really, really bad one on the weekend. Um, and is like probably part of why Louisville is struggling a little bit much when last year she was so good. Um, and the same thing with Wave, but even like Wave got killed this weekend, and I was like, Oh, and I look at the goals and I'm like, okay, Sheridan's not great on these. And then you look at the post shot data and it's like they concede four post shot expected goals in one in a two-no loss. Uh so not great, but I do think that this will not persist. I think they're they are noisy, but they're more stable than this historically. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm actually kind of curious about how this shakes out because I've been thinking a lot about NWSL parody recently. Um this is gonna be a half-formed thought, so I'm sorry if it makes no sense, or yeah, you know, you know how it is. Um I feel like in NWSL, keeper noise is particularly strong because because of this parody. Um, it just like, yeah. And, and also because of the strength of the goalkeepers. Um, this, this is the thing. This particularly is the thing. because of the strength of the goalkeepers. Yeah. NWSL has it, like, all the goalkeepers are good. Yeah, for usually. I uh, want to put a little ass just there. Generally, usually. generally, um, generally. Generally, yes. In general, on average, they are really, really good. Um, yeah, I lost my train of thought, but I, I, I wonder if I felt like this year there's been less parity in the league than in the past. Maybe like games have felt a lot more open, um, and so I wonder if there's something there. Um, yeah. So what? One of the thing. One thing that I like looked at was I wanted to see because in my head. I feel like historically we haven't had such a clear favorite as Thorns and we haven't had such a clear, like these teams are not in competition for the league um, as, as in past years. And so I looked and it's actually not that different. Like the, the spread of points through this many games is not um, like it's, it's nine points from first to last. It's uh, five points from first to the playoffs uh, it's like two points from or four points from last playoff spot to last. Like it's not, um, it didn't, it, it wasn't appreciably different from past seasons, but I was curious about that, but it does feel that way that the thorns are like so much better than everybody else. Um, and like the bottom teams are so much worse than everybody else. Uh, be curious yeah. what that spread looks like in terms of something like, like points to me are really noisy so I, I'd be curious about what it looks like with like XG or Yeah, I I, I would maybe maybe that's a fun viz I'll put together. Um, I've been lacking. ADC, you have goalkeeper thoughts or should I should I drop the, the second player? I think my goalkeeper thought is related to France, which I sort of alluded to before. Given, you know, how you started this discussion with like the the worst, the statistical worst, right, in quotes goalkeepers which French is is one of the worst on paper right now have been through their career good it's so wild to me that Kansas City pulled the plug on her being their starter this early in a world cup year that is not a decision I would have made I don't think um and of course there were there are things going on behind the scenes at Kansas City potentially right they ousted Matt Potter we have no idea why still um and that goalkeeping change happened basically right as the coaching change happened so um, it'll be interesting to see if they jump ship from Cassie Miller after she conceded three goals and a half against Angel City and they return to France uh, in the next time out. But, you know, I think given the noise um, with a keeper like France, you know, one that essentially carried you to the championship last season, um, it's just wild to me to to get rid of her that quickly. Yeah, I'd be surprised if she stayed out. Uh, I feel like it was, there were a few like really bad goals conceded in that stretch and not like in a, oh, you like got, like you lost the ball to an attacker playing at the back. Like they were like just really poor goalkeeping mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not shocked that they were like, no, you're going to think about what you've done for a minute. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be, I would be very surprised if she was gone much longer because I don't think Miller has actually been very good either. Um, but seeing something different, not as a punishment, but as like there are consequences for poor performances, I think matters. Um, but yeah. Okay. 
my last one, um, and I'm curious what what do you think about this? Because um, I was super high on the current coming into the season, and I have been very disappointed so far. But one player who has not disappointed me, but I think will in the future, is CC Kaiser, who is doubling her career XG and XA output through 400 minutes. She is putting up a full expected goal and expected assist a game. This there is just no there is no track record of this being a thing. I there's nothing I see in like I watch some clips on Y Scout and there's nothing I see in the actions that I'm like, oh, she's doing this every time. It's just like balls are falling to her in the box. And it's a lot of like chasing lost games and like, yeah, whatever. You're losing three nil. Sure, you're gonna tap it at the back post for three one. So I do not think this will continue, but I'm curious what you two think. Um, I have nothing, you know, interesting to say. I just say as a CC Kaiser appreciator, I'm really happy about it. Um, but I agree. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly sustainable. Uh, but it's cool. I really like when players, like, are kind of in the league for a while and they're sort of trying to just, like, find a place and then they get traded somewhere and they finally have the time to, like, settle and, like, you know, like, grow into a team and all of a sudden they're just, like, super good. Like, I don't know. I don't think she's, like, a Christy Mewis in Houston, but it would be kind of cool if she's, like, a Christy Mewis in Houston story, right? Where, like... Yeah. You know, and, all of a sudden she's, like, really, really good. And and I do think that the current are, like, desperate for secondary shot creation outside of Davinia. And, like, we talked about... We talked about before the year about, like the collection of like not quite a striker not quite a winger pieces they had who would like get put together around Dabinia and so I I'm not I'm excited that she's better and I think that's real like if you told me it was like 0.6 0.5 over the season yes 0.99 maybe not so we'll 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 see but I I I think once currents are fit totally there's something there, but I don't think it's quite this. Yeah, I think, think I'm ever gonna go. You, you should. <laughs> I think I think I agree with you both. I think CC Kaiser was kind of underrated last year. Um, Lola Bonta got a lot of the current spotlight, so I'm pretty sure the Labonta and Kaiser scored seven goals apiece for the current. Labonta had a lot of those from the spot. I don't know if Kaiser did, but. I don't know. I, I, I'm not really surprised to see Kaiser coming out this season and being good, but sort of like what you're both saying, I don't think that this level is sustainable for her. She'll probably come back down and still be good. Um, but what would be cool is if instead of like having flashes of like a brace or, you know, here and there, she's just like sustainably a little above average the entire season. That is, I think, that's something that I think would be really great for the current and for Kaiser. For sure. Um, well, I think that's that's all we have in terms of sample size. I will open the floor for any hot takes that may be rumbling around the brain. Um, we have a little bit of time. I I may have one or two, but I will leave the floor for any any hot takes. I know, I know you both have one, so the floor is open. Well, I would say, like, the hot take that I came in willing to share with the audience was already taken, and I guess it wasn't super spicy because it was it was the reason level should consider moving on from their coach. Um, that was like my day. No, that's lukewarm. Not even that's cold. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay. Well, if maybe I need a... to like, you know, my shower right now is broken, and I can't really like I all it's only hot or cold. And maybe it's like messing with my inability to also <laughs> your scales off. Your scales off. <laughs> yeah, scales are off. Okay, so Ariana, what's what's the hot take then? If that's lukewarm, you must have something very spicy, high on the Scoville scale. I I'm trying to think. I I I don't think Angel City is very good, but I don't know if that's a hot take because I mean they're they're sitting in sixth place this season and last season they were sort of like mid table. I think they were overshadowed by San Diego being so good and top of the table and both being expansion teams, but 
I don't know. I don't know what it is about Angel City, but every time I watch them, I'm just sort of like, eh. And then they, they come out to a big lead and then they concede it. And I'm like, yeah, that, of course that happened to you. <laughs> this, um, this is very tangential to my hot take, which is that there have been a lot of really bad games. Um, This is true. And, and that's not like, again, I have very much enjoyed this season so far, actually. But there have been a lot of games that are like nothing happens for 70 minutes or are over within 20 minutes. Um, and my worry is that that's going to get worse as the rosters stretch throughout the summer. Um, and like we have played, some teams have played eight games in a fairly condensed stretch already. Um, so I, I'm just a little worried that I'm a little worried from a quality standpoint. I think some teams are playing Kraken Soccer Thorns look sick. There have been some like barn burner games with bangers, but I think there have been a few games that a few too many games that have not been very good. I agree. I remember I was watching the first weekend or maybe the second weekend and I was like, am I actually having a good time right now? Am I having an okay time? And the answer was no, I was not having an okay time. Um, so I, I do think it's gone better week over week. Yes. Personally, I'm okay with, with um, which is usual, which is like pretty normal. Um, and also preseason was a lot short. I, okay, actually, I've decided what I think is happening here. Last year there was the Challenge Cup before regular season happened. So by the time they got to regular season, games were like players were informed, and, and it was good. So I, I do think there is something to that. Now we're reaching that like six games, which is like sort of what the Challenge Cup was they had about yeah that's fair. i think that's, so I that's very possible there. that's um, very possible but i do agree some of them were really really rough but i i am a big fan of uh like a team going up th- like three nil in 30 minutes and then i just feel like in nwsl where everything is like kind of wacky anyways like it's actually never done in the second half yeah true angel city this is exactly why i'm like yeah it's the angel city experience I, I will say, did you know that they are second most XG? They play the most second most XG this year. <laughs> in really? Each play nine point eight eight. That's interesting. Uh, ten goals on nine point eight. Yeah, ten goals on nine point eight eight XG. That's pretty good. Um, and, and uh, Thorns are like by far much higher, almost fifteen. So, uh, I need like- to dig into this between now and our next pod. I need to understand why I'm not impressed by Angel City then. You know, uh, who, I think it's because they are a, a litany of individual talent. Well, speaking of individual talent, one of the players that I was looking at just because I was an admirer last year, but G plus had her as like the literally the worst player in the whole league is Janendo, who yeah. like the XG and XA have doubled this year. All the progressive numbers are up. Like, um, like she has more XG through five starts than she has the entirety of last year. Her progressive passes are doubled. Her progressive receptions are up 50%. The carries are like everything is up, which is like to be expected for a 21, not to be expected to this level for a 21 year old, but crazy improvement. And that has given them a lot, I think. Is she really 21? Yeah, just turned 22, maybe. Oh my gosh. I thought she was like three years older than that. Uh, FB ref said, okay, 22, about to turn 23 in like okay. two weeks. Okay. Um, Okay, well, that's all I have. Any any closing remarks from you, friends? Um, I want to hear other people's hot takes. So when this is posted, you should you should when this is posted to Twitter, you should write them on main so that I can see them. Thank you. Yes, if you have hot takes, fire them off at uh, the ASA account, which is at Analysis Evolved, or specifically at Ian at a handle for Ian. He will know exactly what's going on. Um, okay, well, thank you both so much for hopping on. Anything you want to plug before you go? Ariana, I know you've been dropping backfield articles left, right, and center. They've been killing it. Equalizer articles. Anything for either of you to plug? I think you you covered it. I'm also co-hosting the Equalizer podcast where we don't talk uh, numbers as much, but it is a good time twice a week. So check check me out over there too. Sweet. Um, I will always plug NWSLR, the R package that I wrote that makes a lot of uh, statistics accessible uh, to the public. If you are looking to learn how to work with data, 
or you already know how, it's a great resource. Um, and if you have questions, you can just fire them at my Twitter and I try my best to answer them. Okay. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. Everybody, thank you for hopping on. Uh, the last thing I will plug is the ASA Patreon. Uh, we do really good work at the site, I think. And uh, every it feels like every month our server costs are going up because it means people are checking out the data, which rules. We have one tier. It's $5 a month. Uh, you can come in. You can talk NWSL. You can talk hockey. The hockey playoffs have been going on and people have been going crazy. MLS, US Open, whatever you want. Uh, there's lots of people in there. So check it out if you can. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We will see you at some to-be-determined date in the future to talk more about NWSL. Until then, enjoy the soccer. <laughs>